Welcome to episode 15 of Punks in Pubs. My name is Liam Bird and we are back. That's right, we have been on a four-week hiatus uh, for all of June. Have you missed me? I'm sure you have. Have I missed you? That is a strange question. Some news before we crack on with the show. I announced it four weeks ago, but I'm going to announce it again. Punks in Pubs will be going to Rebellion Festival this year, and I want your opinion on who I should be talking to. Let me know your thoughts on who you think I should be having a beer with on Twitter and Facebook at Punks and Pubs. And also, please go rate and review on iTunes and push this podcast up the music podcast chart. Let's not fuck around. Let's talk about episode 15 with me and Chris Cresswell, lead singer of Canadian Outfitters, The Flatliners. I sat down and had a beer with Chris in Camden back in May, I believe. In this interview, you will hear me and Chris gush over his fellow countryman, Damien Abraham, of the band Fucked Up, as well as the excellent podcast Turned Out of Punk, We talk podcasts, in particular Chris's own podcast, Carry the Banner. You also hear Chris telling the cutest story about his first encounter with his bandmate Scott and a not-so-cute story about Fat Mike of NoFX. We swap skateboarding injury stories as well as talk about the influence of that Tony Hawk game on the punk scene. And also, if you've ever wondered who Chris would like to hang out with if Slipknot, Corn, Papa Roach and Limp Biscuit walked into a bar, well, wonder no more. All will be revealed in this episode. As always, the last portion of this podcast, I turn over to you and your band. If you are in a group and you want to get some airplay on this podcast, then send me an MP3 to punksinpubs at gmail.com. This week's band are the Ramonas, featuring Chris Harper of UK Subfame. Uh, Before all that, this. This is episode 15 of Punks in Pubs. Enjoy. sat in a pub that's playing music and it's nice it's nice music it you, is. you've got the rhythm you got the rhythm yeah thank you that's very yeah. much. I love uh, this song <laughs> what's the song I have no idea there you go. <laughs> so I'm sat opposite a guy who's in a band who when I started this who's in a band who start, when I started this podcast about I started arranging it in September and the first episode went out in November cool and you your band the Flatliners were on my list of bands I wanted oh, to talk to cool excellent mainly because I feel, as a band, you've been around for a while, but I still feel like you're quite fresh and quite new. Yeah, it's this weird... Um, I don't even, I've never come up with a good way to describe it, but to so many people, we're a brand new band. Yeah. But we're 15, 16 years 16 deep now. 16 years in. So it's like... Uh, you're like you're like uh, Matthew McConaughey in Days and Confused, <laughs> but you're not a creep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> his character is such a creep. In that it's, movie, a weird, yeah. it's a weird movie looking back. <laughs> yeah, um, but now, like, 
now you're my rival because you've got your own podcast. <laughs> so across from me is uh, Chris Criswell of the Flatliners. Hello, everyone. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm I'm well. Thank you. Cool. I always find that when you do when you start doing an interview, someone asks you back, "How are you?" Mm-hmm. I feel like the, the interview is going to go well. It's when they don't <laughs> give a fuck about you. That's when you know. Oh, it's there's be a, a lot. Difficult. There's a lot of people out there that only give a fuck about themselves. You know. Right. Yeah. But I, for every bad person, I hope there's two good people. Well, I had a really bad interview uh, a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Uh, so you're the, the ones following that. So I'm hoping. Oh my god. You can do well. The last one was with. Um, oh, you're going to say that. Oh, Okay, yeah, he's a cunt. Uh, he's, uh, he's a guitarist for the Misfit. Who, Frank Doyle? Doyle. Oh, yeah, okay. What a cunt. Did he wear a shirt, T-shirt? He didn't wear a shirt. Oh. He didn't want to do it. So why, why say yes? Yeah, don't say yes if you don't want to do anything. All right, he yeah. pissed me off. That's too bad. You still like the Misfits, though? I do. Yeah, they're still great. You can't, yeah. you can't. Yeah, I know. You know? Yeah. Anyway. Maybe it's better that he was, uh, he, was, he was that way to you, you know? No, because I feel like <laughs> if you meet someone who you generally do enjoy their music... You want it to be nice. Of course. However, maybe the music, the Misfits music, has really stood the ultimate test of you meeting one of them and them <laughs> not being cool to you, and then you're still like, yeah, but the Misfits are so fucking awesome. Yeah, so. yeah. I suppose, yeah. <laughs> right? It's the, only, it's the only time that example will make sense. I, I love your outlook, silver lining outlook of that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Me, he's a kind. You, yeah. learn from it. That's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. nice. Anyway, so let's talk about podcasts, because yeah, we sure, kind of yeah. talked about it. Um, you've entered the world of podcasting, carry the banner, yeah. and I'm going to be honest, I listened to episode one yeah. and then skipped to episode nine. Okay. Not because I didn't like them, the yeah, rest yeah, of them, yeah, yeah. it's because I wanted to see how you have progressed from episode oh, one to episode cool, nine. cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, myself. Yeah. I don't as, know if I have. <laughs> well, I think you have. Oh, thanks. Uh, so from, from my, um, by my opinion, gives a shit. But I mean, from, from mine, I, my background is that I've worked in radio. I'm, I'm usually a producer. I make radio documentaries. Okay. But I decided that... I wanted to go in front of the mic and I yeah. wanted to present and I wanted to do something that interests me which is yeah, punk yeah. music so from episode 1 and episode 11 where I'm up to now yeah. I, I do believe I've improved in my questioning I'm sure you have more yeah, like you, you can only get better the more you do something right yeah. You say that. I've heard a lot of bands <laughs> that haven't done that. Um, but what about yourself? Do you feel that you've progressed? Um, well, here's the thing. Like, episode nine is the newest one. That was a conversation that Joey Cape and I had in January. Hmm. So this was the biggest thing. This is what I was kind of saying just before we started rolling. Off mic, I was saying. <laughs> that, um, no one can see the face, the stupid face I just made when I said the <laughs> words off mic. Um, I, 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 I've fallen in love with podcasts in the last few years. Spent a lot of time on the road. Um, you know, a lot of downtime. Really, my whole life is in music, but sometimes you need something else to, you know, like yeah. just kind of flow through your brain and make you think and all these things. So I decided to do one, and I did the first two episodes, and I didn't know at all what I was doing. And then as I was waiting for it to show up in Apple's podcast queue for them to confirm it or whatever it yeah. is, I was like, ah, maybe I won't do this. It's a lot of work, and I really want to do it, but I'm only going to be able to do it once a month. Maybe you yeah. know, uh, unless like I really make it a huge like priority. Um, but the fact remains that like on the road, there's a lot of downtime, but there's still a lot to do every day. Anyways, point being, I don't know if I progressed much because I still feel like I'm figuring it out. Yeah. Um, the Joey interview was kind of more of just a, two buddies hanging out. He's become such a close friend in recent years, uh, and he's really like a mentor to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if he truly knows that or not, but. Um, I felt it came across. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm happy to hear that. It was, it was, you know, we were just sitting in his house. Like, so there's that level of face to face as we are now, comfort level with uh, people I know. I've never done one with someone I don't really know. You know, uh, 
I, 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 would, I think be, I would do a lot more if I did them over the phone, but I don't want to do that. Maybe one day I'll have to mm. if I really can get someone I'd love to chat with, but I can only get them on the phone. Maybe I'll do that. But I like the face-to-face interaction. Definitely. You know? Yeah. So I don't yeah. know. I mean, like, I always just feel like it's a conversation I'm having. If the conversation gets better over time, then that's, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely, yeah, yeah. I definitely agree. I felt like from episode one, you had a lot of people and a lot of voices. Yeah. Because I was Tom and Greg from Menzingers. Yeah. And then Joe pops in there for a sec. We were, I was like pretty hungover when I did that admittedly <laughs> too. Not like, I'm not trying to brag. Like yeah, it was, yeah. I fucked up. Like I, like the night I before we were, we were going for it. And then I was like, oh shit, we're doing that today? Yeah. Like, yeah. Because I just like, my brain is cloudy when I'm, you know, nursing a hangover. I think everyone's is. Yeah, probably, right? Yeah. That's part shitty. of it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. But yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I, I really enjoyed the uh, Joey Kate one. And on the way back, I'm going to cool. listen to the, um, uh, uh, Dead to me? Yeah, that one's cool. So I'm going to listen to that one. Yeah, and a lot of them happen in the van, you know. Mm. Um, the one that might drive you a little crazy, because there's so much going on, is the Arms Aloft uh, episode. It's, okay. it's, it's great. And those, those guys are awesome people and a great band that everyone should know. Um, but it's, it's like so guerrilla style like on tour podcast yeah. that we're in a green room it's me and the whole band and I'll just there's like other things that happen like venue staff pop in and out and like it's it's an entertaining listen but I remember even like my girlfriend uh, listens to them which is so nice and uh, she Mine came home not. from <laughs> no, no. Um, she came home from work one day and she was you know she'll listen to it on her drive home she was like I had to turn it off halfway through like it was too much I was like fuck I fucked up like I should have tried my best to get an environment for us that yeah. we could it could be a little quieter. It could be this or that, whatever. But at the same time, she went back and enjoyed it. Uh, and it's also like that's what it's about yeah. is is touring. So it was like the most on-the-nose <laughs> approach <laughs> so of you, that podcast so far. So you've yeah. done the touring and then you're like, this is going to be about touring, but I'm not going to do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just I, – I really want to keep it going and I will keep it going. I have plans to keep it going. I uh, Again, like I said, I would love to do it more. Yeah. And I hope one day I can. Um, so far, when I put one up – People seem to enjoy it, hmm. and I, if, if the pace can can get better, if I can get more on top of doing it, um, I think that would be a fun thing. Because it's just, it's fun, man. Like, I know a lot of pretty cool people, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, and I'm around these folks, and I'm looking at it, I don't mean that as a humble brag, uh, people may think I am coming off that way, but what I'm where I'm coming from is still that kid who grew up on this shit you know and now I'm found myself as a 30 year old guy surrounded by a lot of the people who I grew up listening to their music and and they're all pretty great people you know and there's a lot to learn from those people and now with podcast culture like people want to expose these these secrets or 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 the magic of of why thing why things work a certain way or whatever people are no longer happy being in front of the stage they want to know what's going on yeah. backstage and, and you know yeah yeah and we've t- we've spent years on the road like at this point if you don't know what happens on stage with with our band like you've probably never seen us play a show you know what mm. i mean it's cuz it's just it is what it is we're a live band we tour a lot um but there's such a different side to like the mental preparation and endurance test that tour really like provides or really demands from someone you know what i mean uh so i want to show people that because a lot of people think like oh man like you're just living fucking glamorous rock star life you're like every once in a while there's something that happens you're like this is we are living that life you know and then and then like a bird shits on you or something like that. <laughs> like, i don't know i don't know you step into a puddle and you're yeah, like yeah, yeah. but um you know usually it's just it's it's about the work you know, and uh, we're all really lucky, and I'm sure all the folks I know who do this for a living 
have a lot of people in their lives uh, that make them feel lucky about doing this because you're surrounded by all the support, yeah. friends and family and these kinds of things. But it's just, it's an interesting way to live that not a lot of people probably fully understand. So I'm trying to like show people that side of it. And also, like everyone has a story. Yeah. And like it would be great if they could tell it. You know? So have you been on Turn Out, Turn Out of Punk? Because yeah. obviously that's yeah. I'm getting, like Canadian rivalry yeah. with Punk <laughs> yeah. uh, Damien had me on. It was so funny. He has that this huge like bong. Like uh, it's like a, I guess it's like a vaporizer, but it but it hits like a bong because yeah. he's such a big weed guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so essentially, it's like it's not like it's the it's the better way to smoke, I guess. Like like you know, if you're like hitting the vaporizer or whatever, but you still had like the chamber that you like brew up, yeah, and you'd get all this vapor, and then you'd like pull a choke, and then you'd fucking get this huge hit. So I watched him do it, and it was crazy to me. And uh, and then he's like, "Do you want to smoke this?" And I was like, "Well, if you want me to say anything on your podcast, maybe we'll wait till after." <laughs> and uh, I did after, and it was crazy. Like I went, it was the day before we left for tour, and I went to like our la- our record label to pick up some records. And Marilyn Manson is on the same label as us in Canada. Yeah. So all the staff at Dynalone Records were like decked out in like all black, and they were going to the Marilyn Manson show that night. He wasn't there. But I just walk in like so stoned after driving my car like across the city. I was like, this is a terrible idea. And I walk in and they're all just like gothed out. I'm like, what the fuck happened? Where did I go, man? Yeah. Yeah. Freaked yeah. Out. It was wild. Yeah. But Damien's got a great podcast and he like he gets such great guests. There's something amazing about him and about Fucked Up. I'm a big fan of his band Fucked Up. Yeah, 100%. Uh, they just, they can be an oi band. They can, they can be a punk band. They can be a hardcore band. They can be anything they want. And they're always to everyone else. It's it's so much more than just that. You know yeah. what I mean? If yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Like there's this there's this essence. There's this indescribable essence to that band. This mystery, yeah. and it's so cool. You know, I, I saw. I've, I've only watched them a couple of times, and what, one of those times was at Glastonbury Festival. Oh, what? That's yeah. amazing. And like, that's like some world, like like that's global. a huge global. They, they were playing yeah. the John Peel stage, which is a famous uh, cool. radio presenter from okay. Radio One back in the day. He's okay. the guy who found like the Clash and all that sort of stuff. Mm. And he's got his own stage now at Glastonbury, and fucked up played. And you say about the curiosity, it was that. It was a lot of people coming in who were curious to yes. know who fucked up was. Mm-hmm. And by the end of their show, they had everyone oh, in yeah. the palm of their hand. Well, they're just an amazing band, like live band. And, and, and Damien, as a, as a front man, is just like so engaging because he's almost never on the stage. Yeah. He's in there with he, the he people. He was in the back. He was at the sound. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. I, I saw them open for Tenacious. No, not Tenacious D, sorry. That was another tour they did that I wish I saw. Um, I think I said that because I just listened to Damien's episode with Jack Black. Yeah. Which was great. Uh, who always oh, the Doughboys, amazing Canadian punk band from back in the day, and the Foo Fighters. Okay, fucked yeah. up. Opened the show at uh, like a stadium in Toronto, and Damien had like what must have been a hundred foot long mic cable because he was like climbing around the seats and like yeah, it was the same thing that you would have seen at a five hundred capacity venue, a two hundred capacity venue. You know, it, his dedication to that th- that entire band's dedication to. Doing it their way, but their way, quote unquote, musically always evolving, is really astounding. Yeah, you don't see that very often. You know, they're so in their own world and their own league, but the the um, classification of what their league is like always changes because like they've never put out a record, they never they've never put out two records that sound the same. Yeah, you know, to me the closest is Hidden World and Glass Boys, the newest one, but still there's. 
there's stuff on Glass Boys they've never done before. There's like some like Grateful Dead sounding shit on that record, and it's cool, you know. Like, and they're a fucking punk rock band. They're a hardcore band. They're an oi band, whatever you want to call them. That have that vibe on the new record, and people are like, yeah, they they nailed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, 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 <laughs> it's amazing. Great. But yeah. talking about frontman, obviously being a frontman yourself, do you do you look at Damien and go? I wish I could do that, but I can't do that. There's there's always been a curiosity in me because I'm always anchored down by a guitar. Yeah. Right? I've so rarely been the person on stage just singing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Like, whenever I see anyone doing that, especially someone like Damien who's so engaging and so you're enthralled, you know what I mean, watching him. Um, yeah, there, you, you always wonder, like, what it would be like if you could just kind of climb around and, mm. like, pull, like, a fucking Eddie Vedder and, like, <laughs> climb up on the top of the, you know, whatever. And, um, however... I remember one time in Germany we played a, a cover song with some friends and so I just sang. I gave my guitar to one of these guys and uh, it was like a minute and a half long song and I was like dead halfway through because you're just exerting so much energy running around. Yeah. You know? And I was just so unused to that. So yeah, there's like there's definitely like a part of me that thinks like, oh, it'd be, you could do so much more with a show if you, if you don't have like an instrument anchoring <laughs> you to the stage yeah. in a way, but you find other ways. Quit trying to fan the flames Let the embers settle in Cause nothing gone can stay But you can always pray Start talking about punk properly and uh, the flatline itself. Let's talk about your love of new metal because I, I listened to an interview <laughs> where you spoke about your your un, unspoken love of new metal when, yeah, you were, yeah. when you were a little younger. Yeah, when I was a kid. So let's let's put a question to you: Slipknot, Corn, Papa Roach, and Limbiscuit walk into a bar. Yeah, who are you hanging out with? Shit, uh, man, probably Limbiscuit. It would just be probably the most entertaining. Yeah, because they're the least morose. They're of of all those. They're the least. Um, I feel like they want to party the most. You sure? You don't want to see the clown defecate on the table? I mean, I just think like I'd get enough. They'd get kick my ass or something. <laughs> if, you know, like like Limbisky would be down to party. Corn would be kind of like angry, sad boys. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I, I, don't, I don't know if they, they they would they would keep to themselves. Yeah, I think. yeah, yeah. You know, they're 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 tortured souls. It seems like these corn guys. Uh, Papa Roach. Ah, man, Papa Roach would probably crank it up too. But yeah, if it's so, and, and Slipknot would kick my ass. So I, I gotta go Limp Bizkit, man. I want to like hang out with Wes Borland and like ask why he why he is the way he is. <laughs> I would I would ask him why he left and then why well, he came, came back. back. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I was just in Australia, played a festival with Limp Bizkit and Corn. Yeah, and it was fucking rad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it like, was so rad, dude. It was so cool and. Yeah. Uh, a few years back at Leeds and Reading, we played the same day as Papa Roach. And John, okay, so our bass player John went to the catering tent before everyone else did after our set that day. And he was like, 
you know, sitting at a table already when we got there. He was like saving us a table. And we look around, and we're like, who's that? Who's John sitting with? We couldn't see his, uh, you know, the person's face. But he was, like, had this crazy, like, charged hair and, and like, de- like sleeveless, like, denim fucking thing covered in tattoos. And we, like, kind of round a corner where we can see the person's face, and it was dude from Papa Roach. It was yeah, the singer yeah. of Papa Roach. J- Jacoby. Uh, I think it's Jacoby. Not a clue. Pretty sure it's Jacoby. Uh, and, uh, yeah, John, like, chilled with him for, like, 25 minutes. Nice. And John, like, acted like he didn't know who the guy was. <laughs> He's like, who are you here with, man? But did he actually, did <laughs> yeah. he actually know, though? He, oh, yeah, absolutely. No, he knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, John, John. He's got Infest playing was, on repeat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It was, uh, it was just like we started this band when we were 14. Yeah. And before we got into punk, it was new metal. Yeah. We're, we're, we're all born in 87, you know what I mean? We're 30 now. Like, it was, we all turned 31, like, later this year. Like, it was all... That time, dude. It was like now. I'm not ashamed to talk about it. But when you start out in a punk rock band, and then like at a young age, you get to like be in, invited into the Fat Records world. All these cool things. You, yeah. Like you know, uh, you're like, don't talk about, don't talk about how <laughs> the first band you ever liked was Corn. Yeah. <laughs> but now I will fully admit that. Do it because Infest is a good album. I, yeah, I will, yeah. I will stand my authority on that. Um, so you're talking about punk then. So who in your family got you involved in punk, or was it your friends that got you involved in punk? It was it was my brother. It was my older brother. Kind of unbeknownst to him, I think he wasn't really like you got to check this out. You got to check this out. It was it was through skateboard films and snowboard films um, that he would always watch with his his friends. And you always, I feel like if you have an older sibling, you always want to be as cool as your older sibling. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, even if you have a tumultuous relationship, him and I did not. We, we had a great relationship. I just mean like even even if that's. I can say he's listening to this. There's like I thought we were fucking cool, man. What was <laughs> no, going? but I just mean to say like e- even if you like hate your older sibling, you still yeah. want to be cool. Yeah. like them. You know, it's just this thing that's so it's such human nature. Uh, my brother and I had a great relationship. Had a great like friendship growing up. You know, all these things. He would just always have these vids on, man, and it was just like the soundtrack was all old epitaph and fat stuff. Yeah. And like the boss tones. And, you know, like, and then I went, and then uh, who else, like, that I, I guess weren't on those labels? I mean, you get a, it was, you know, but it was like of the fat and epitaph bands, it was like Lagwagon, No Effects, Rancid and Bad Religion, you know, yeah. like that kind of shit. That was, it was all like the a first Tony stuff. Hawk's of course, game. yeah. And yeah, then yeah, Tony yeah. Hawk came out. Yeah, yeah. So I got into skateboarding, got into snowboarding, got in, subsequently got into punk rock. Then Tony Hawk Pro Skater comes out. And that was like, again, like a few years back, it would be so, it would feel so lame to be like, dude, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater soundtrack is sick. Cause, just because it seems so silly to be like, a video game did it for you, dude. Well, you know what? But it's true. I, that video game, I think, turned so many people onto punk rock. Oh, big time. Like, Goldfinger <laughs> Superman, yeah. I think, turned so many people. Fuck yeah, the Suicide Machines. Right? Right? Like, and then so we went, so, so me and, and our friends growing up, discovered all those bands like the you know like the late 80s early 90s mid 90s like punk explosion bands then we went back and 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 checked out dead kennedy's dead kennedy's were a big one right off the bat once once we went backwards yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Then I, it, that's what you do though isn't yeah, it you yeah, yeah you start to think of like or you start to kind of look up or this is this would, would have been like around the beginning of the internet so it wasn't all out there you know but you start to think like who Sorry, but isn't that weird yeah. that we can say remember beginning of the internet yeah man that's Fuck yeah. fucked up <laughs> so fucked up sorry man we're lucky for that up. though you know we we're are lucky for that yeah. and I think we're the only generation that has been have the ability to be able to learn something yeah. that is so vast well absolutely because now no one will retain information the way they used to need to yeah you know because yeah, yeah. it was called learning back then <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't just called retaining information yeah. 
So we went back and checked out Dead Kennedys, loved them, and then, you know, Sex Pistols, Ramones, The Clash. My fucking brain exploded. You know what I mean? Like, that was the band. Once I found them, I was like, this is, this is it. Yeah. If every other band fell apart, if, if no other music was ever, like, you know, like, uh, reachable, fun, you know, sourceable at all anymore... I got the clash. Have you been to the, the Jerry Rummer? Not Jerry Rummer. What the fuck I'm talking about? Uh, the um, Joe Strummer? Yeah, Joe Strummer um, tribute wall no. in, in uh, Notting Hill. No, it's like not. a big mural. Cool. Of, of I gotta him. check Get that out. There's a great one in New York City um, that's been there for a long time. I should check that one out though. Mm. I mean, you know, so that was it. It was just kind of like. Looking at my older brother and being like, what are you into? Skateboarding seems cool. You like skateboarding? Cool. And then, like, those skate films were amazing. You mm. know what I mean? There was so much of it back then. Yeah, yeah. You know, we had, we had tapes and tapes of, of, of 411 and, 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 like, Girl and Chocolate videos, like Mouse and, and all this cool stuff. And it's, uh, and, it's a, it, and it's a world outside of music that I'm still very connected to. I don't skate anymore. I was going to say, do you skate? Nah, When's the last time you skate? sketchy, man. Uh, I skated last year in Berlin because our friend runs a skate park there. So we'll always, like... A couple beers deep <clears throat> after the show, go to the skate park, and, like ride around. Yeah. It's so sketchy. That's such a bad idea. Like, I need my fingers and hands and arms to for my career, and uh, I'm going to risk all that because I'm drunk and want to skate. <laughs> I'm going to tell you a quick story. Uh, I was best man for my friend, and uh, we were both used to be skaters. And he's like, "Let's go for a skate." And I was like, "Okay, yeah, cool." He brought both his skis. He brought a longboard and his skate. So I was like, "Okay, let's go." So we went. And I start getting a bit cocky. I'm like, yeah, I want to <laughs> start picking up some speed. And then all of a sudden we hit gravel. Oh, Jesus Christ. And I... I can feel it. Yeah, I went. And I still got a scar on my knee. Oh, yeah. I fucked up my foot. And his <laughs> oh, wedding God. was like the next day. Oh, and no. I yeah. looked like a fucking mess. What's it? And it always happens then. I remember the first tour we ever went on. Uh, my, we were in Montreal. And a buddy of mine, a buddy of ours who was on tour with us, and I went to the Olympic Park in Montreal to skate. Skated all day. It was so fun. And then we took the metro back to the parking lot where the van was, was you know, chilling or whatever. And we met the guys there. We are going to go to a movie or something before. I was like, ah, I'm going to rip around this parking lot one more time before the movie. Because, yeah, I was like, I was riding a high. I was yeah. cocky. I was like, I, I can ollie. I can ollie <laughs> in, in a parking lot because yeah. I just did all this other cool shit. I wasn't amazing back then, but I was okay. I was, I was all right, you know. Dude, I fucking ollie. I wasn't even moving. And I just, like, I just landed weird. The skateboard flies out from underneath me, and I bang my wrist on the ground. I was like, fuck. And we had that day off. The next day, we had a show, and I was, like, playing guitar, trying to move my wrists, and it, it hurt. It was tight. It didn't feel good. It wasn't impossible to play guitar. It was still very possible. But it was one of those first moments, because it was our very first tour. I was like, I feel like I'm going to have to choose one day yeah, between yeah. this and that. And I chose music. And so now I'm a poser. <laughs> Full on poser, Just man. Carry a board around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
have a MySpace account. Did you like know that? Me personally? No, not you. Oh, the, the band. band. It's so, still up. Still up. Whoa. So that's how I know that you've been oh, around for a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you spoke about it was sixteen years. Yeah. Uh, you met Scott, John, and Paul. Yeah. Which I'd like say sounds like a biblical story. Oh, big time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> at school, is that all right? The, all the apostles. You Sorry. met at school? Yeah. We met. We met Paul at camp. Summer camp. Okay. The rest we met at school. Yeah. So what? What drew you to those guys? Well, to be honest with you. My mom. Still not. And, yeah, well, I don't know about those guys. Um, my mom and Scott's mom were both teachers. And there was some, like, preschool program that they were both a part of. Uh, they met and hit it off. And then first day of kindergarten was rolling around. And so my mom is introducing me to my new friend, Scott. And Scott's mom is introducing him to his new friend, Chris. And that's how it happened. Our moms, oh, wow. when we were like four or five years old, introduced us. So Scott was the first kid I met in kindergarten, like first yeah. day of school. It's that, pretty insane. That's, that's free. That's, it's that's fucked. Pr- I yeah. mean, and like we spent so much time together on and off the road. Yeah. And it's not something that we talk about much. It's something that we both obviously know. But we don't, you don't think of it that much. Honestly, until like I get asked the question, like how yeah, do you guys yeah, yeah. And then whenever I, I get to answer that question, I get reminded of how fucking cool that is. That's amazing. Yeah, really he's the is. first friend I ever made in school. Oh, that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And I hope that you have a long and happy friendship yeah, together I mean, forever. I've known him for 25 years. That's, that's it's insane. Um, we spent a lot of time together, and it's always cool. <laughs> it's yeah. amazing, because I always say I don't really have a family. I have my friends. Yeah, they're, they're, people, the they're your chosen family, right? Exactly. And I, like yourself, I've got like childhood friends who yeah. I still hold very dear to my heart. Right. And unlike you, though, I don't see them every day. Sure. Well, I mean, honestly, I, I wonder sometimes if, you know, uh, this band didn't start in high school and if this band started after high school I wonder sometimes if like me and all these guys would still be friends not not because of how our relationship is now yeah. our relationship is the way it is now because we spend so much time together we live this life together and all these things but think of how many friends from school you don't see anymore exactly. you still you know like if you, you still pop into these folks like you love spending time with them and it's great catching up but there's so many people in your life that you don't keep up with yeah you know uh so it strikes me as odd sometimes when I when I when I think of that and be like I wonder like may, maybe not. So that's what it's one of the really good things about being in this band is like this friendship with these guys has lasted so long. And John I met in grade 2. We were on, we lived on the same street and we were doing something in grade 2. We we're like 7 years old and it was like uh, the t- it was some, you know, like our our teacher asked us to put your hand up and then when I choose you tell me what street you live on. And we said the same street and we're like Oh, man. That's so cute. That's adorable. Yeah, I love that story. Scott and I went to camp and met Paul there when we were like 12. So what was the aim of the band then when you all got together? Just to, I mean, it was our first thing, you know? Yeah. It was like, our, this is our high school fucking band. <laughs> so weird. Um, just have fun, I guess. Like, we didn't really, none of us were interested in going to school. Some of us went to school more than others. Uh, all of us wanted to do something else. We all got into music Myself and Scott and, and John, especially having grown up together in the same town, you know, got into music at the same time and wanted to do this. And Scott and I started taking guitar lessons at the same time and all this kind of uh, stuff. And once we met Paul, we realized, oh, this shit happens everywhere. Like, that's what Paul's story was with some other guys. But then we just all got along great because he, he was from a town like 40 minutes away. And, uh, yeah, we just wanted to have fun, I guess. You know, like, we didn't think of it as anything. We, I, I really don't know what we were thinking then, because mm. we weren't thinking at all, probably. We just did it. 
So what point did you know this is, this is going to be our job? Like, this is it? Um, I mean, I can't say it was early on, but I can say that, like, the last... So, okay, when you're in grade 11, so your second last year of high school, your teachers are all, like, breathing down your neck, like, you know, like, start thinking about what you want to go to school for and where you might want to go because you have to start the long and painful process of, you know, applying to universities and colleges and all these things, and none of us were into that. So that was the first time, probably, a couple years into the band that we were, like, we should, like, try to, like, tour and stuff. We mm. should, like, do, try to do this, but not in any serious way, just more than we were doing at the time. We were playing every weekend, not really going to school much Friday, not really going to school much Monday until the afternoon, you know? Like, Paul had a car when he was 16, 17, so he drove a lot. Our parents would drive us to gigs. It was super funny, man. We had, like, older friends from bands we'd met at other shows drive us and shit. Like, um, but it, I, I guess it was around then we had the first inkling of, like, let's at least take this more seriously than we already are, yep. you know? And then... A couple years into that, you know, we're 19, and then we get the phone call from Fat asking if we want to be on the label, and that's when we were like, yeah, we're going to do this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that, would, that, that must have been the actual, like, crossing the bridge into, like, this is our life now, you know? Because yeah. we were still very much, like, touring just a little bit here and there, having fun, hmm. whatever, meeting new bands all the time, meeting new people all the time, and always wanting to, like, double down on those kinds of things, you yeah. know? But uh, didn't really have the means to do it, you yeah. know? So, yeah, Fat hit us up after we sent them some stuff. And uh, that's when it all changed, I guess. So what's your favorite Fat Mike story? <laughs> I mean, that fucking Cokie the Clown thing at South by Southwest <laughs> is still pretty ridiculous. When you, pretty like, when you really break it down, it's so fucked. They had the switch cam. They had all these other things. And how that story, like, unraveled was just so good. It was good. amazing. And was then, amazing. so that happened, whatever year that happened... But re- rewind like two years before then. That's when we signed to Fat. I think I think maybe two three years before then we signed to Fat. And like as he does with all his bands, he's really great for bringing all his new Fat bands on the road. No effects. So we did that for like two years, which was amazing. And uh, he was like, he would like tell us these fucking terrible stories, right? Like it was awful shit. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. he would tell us he's like we're all having a good time. We're all like swapping stories. Like having we're, we're really trying to make him laugh. Really trying to make him like us. You know <laughs> he really like. This is Fat Mike, you know, you're really, really giving it your all. And he would bring the whole vibe down with telling us this terrible story of, like, like a, a rape or, like, a murder or, like, all real shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Terrible shit. We're like, Jesus Christ, man. And, uh, you know, all things he lived through all, and, and all this. And then a couple years later, he does this Kogi the Clown thing, and he's telling these stories. Yeah. And you realize, man, he is Andy Kaufmaning everyone right now. You know what I mean? Like, if you can, if you can make, if you can turn Andy Kaufman into a verb, that's what he was doing. Yeah, yeah. He was, he was doing it, telling real and like, like true and 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 awful stories about shit that he'd seen and lived through. But because he's always such a funny guy, people would go to that show thinking this is going to be hilarious. And maybe certain parts of the show were, but like the stories were dark. Yeah, yeah. you know. So he was really. Painting that same picture that Andy Kaufman would always kind of, kind of, you know, go for of like, known comedian, I'm here to make you uncomfortable. It's gonna get worse before it gets better, kind of thing. So we started thinking like, we weren't at that show, the Coco the Clown show, but we like, you know, we're reading reviews of it, and there was like some footage or whatever, and we were like, I remember him telling us that story and that story. You know, it was yeah. just they'd all come out, 
And then the book came out a couple years the book ago. Is and a lot of fucking them are in there. amazing. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. And, you know, it's my just, favorite. One of my favorite band books. Yeah, ever. it's 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 a fucking page turner for mm. sure. It's really good. Yeah, you can read it in like a night if you want to. Yeah, um, definitely. Easily. Yeah, man. But he's always been great to us, and uh, he like he just has so much darkness. I guess you know. Yeah, yeah. But he's still always super cool and funny and. Just lives that fucking life like fully, man. It's wild. spoke about everything but um, <laughs> so uh, the biggest change of sound yeah. that you guys from from your first album uh, Destroy to Create uh, invite, uh, sorry, Inviting, Inviting Light Lights, yeah, yeah. is to me you're two different bands completely yeah, two different yeah. bands so how difficult is it to have that crossover from and what's that, what has that journey been is it like you I fell mean, out of love with Scar and then you were like fuck it we actually no, want to do we just, different uh, it wasn't that we fell out of love with anything we just fell in love with even more stuff I think you know um, we really got in real deep into that especially that era of Fat Records in which we were signed to the label yeah. the Lawrence Arms Dead to Me Smoker Fire None More Black all these kinds of bands became really really like Im- important to us you know um and that was on top of Operation Ivy, the Suicide Machines, Assorted Jelly Beans, Voodoo Glow Skulls, all these things, you know. And uh, I don't know, it, like, looking back, it, it, we, we feel bad that to a lot of people it seems like we just kind of bailed on that sound. But we were able to kind of build on it, and then that just continued. I think yeah. that, that, um, that approach to songwriting was always like, don't worry about what your other records sound like. Let's act like we're writing our first record every single time. Uh, that is not anything we ever said until now. We can think that way because we're older folks with more developed minds, <laughs> right? You know. Uh, but that was always the thing. We're we've always been into a lot of different kinds of music, even in the punk world. There's so yeah. much you can you can get into. Um, so I don't know. It was just a thing that continued with the Great Awake, and then with Cavalcade, and then with Dead Language. We put out like the gnarliest record, I, I, in my opinion, that we've ever put out. And then we kind of went the other way with it and made the most, probably, our most approachable record with Inviting Light. Yeah, and it definitely surprised some people. But that's you don't get that surprised anymore. So we were pretty into it. You know, we were just like it surprised us. You hmm. know, like so. We definitely had a lot of people that were upset that it didn't sound like a punk rock record, but in that moment, we weren't a punk rock band. We weren't any kind of band. We were just a band. Yeah. And that's kind of become the point is like, let's just do, let's just be a band. Let's just play music. 
we can we're still at the live show we're still going to play a bunch of our catalog and it's still going to be us but for these 12 songs I guess it's going to be different yeah. you know and that's what it is just yeah. going to make sure how are we doing with time I should probably head back soon-ish yeah, yeah, yeah okay yeah. no problem yeah. we'll, we'll wrap up then Let's talk about inviting, um, sorry, I said it again, inventing lights. Yeah. Uh, you spoke about how you were reading books in, the, in your journey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You reading books. Yeah. So how, how did you find that? Was that the first time you've used inspiration from um, literature to try and write well, your music? The thing is, is like, I didn't really do it. Like, he, <laughs> he told me it was a good idea, and I fell in love with that. But I never, like, I didn't do it as much as I wanted to. Yeah. You know? Uh, definitely do not read as much as I, I would like to. Um, you know, not without doing it at all, but it was like, I start, I read like a little Vonnegut when we were writing that record and stuff, and like, that to a lot of people, a lot of like lit snobs would be like, fuck it, okay, well, everyone's read Vonnegut, you know what I mean? I don't know, but, you know, I read like Slaughterhouse-Five, um, I hadn't read it ever, somehow, even in school, it seems like one of those, like, you do a book report on Slaughterhouse-Five or whatever, um, it was, uh, that was one of the only books I probably read in that whole that whole era of writing that record. Um, the writing style to that record is so weird. Hmm. Or sorry, the writing style to that book is so weird. Um, the prose are so strange. But it was, it, 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 he did a great job of like humanizing you know, that whole story. And really, in the end, I guess if you can draw some lofty and really stretched comparison to the record that we ended up with, it's like that whole record is just basically about like feeling your age Doing, having done something for a long time and finally feeling like, okay, like I think I'm like an adult now. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm still doing the thing that I've been doing since I was a kid, and I still love being here, but so much has changed. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then like the style of music changed, and the approach changed a little bit. But these, that's what happens though. People change. Yeah. Your approach changes no matter if you're a musician or, uh, a, a, you know, a literary writer or or like a like a chemist or a fucking. Someone building a car. You know what I mean? Like, your approach with everything, with anything you do in your life changes all the time. Because you yourself do. You evolve all the time, slowly. Really unnoticed to you. Uh, until you put your life on record. And then you can sit back and listen to it, and you're like, oh, shit, yeah, that's different. Yeah. You know? It's a fun thing to do, though. It's really a fun, like, exploration of oneself and just how your life really does change all the time. You know? So for us now, because we started as kids, we're like it's like a child actor <laughs> <laughs> going back and like watching one of their first movies when we go back and listen to our first record you know so much has changed since but it's still always been us because we're the ones that are changing and that's why the music changes with us well I'm going to let you go uh, I've got plenty more questions but hopefully next time yeah. we can have another chat part Every, two part two <laughs> part two man part two. everyone says part two <laughs> anyway it was a pleasure to meet you man and thank you I'm very much to for the having show tonight me yeah. and uh, all the best I did do those things on purpose
talking to me there. And we could be waiting a while for part two, as the Flatliners recently announced that they have cancelled all their up-and-coming European shows. The reason for this? Well, on their website, they stated, due to unforeseen circumstances stemming from personal and family matters. We at Punks and Pubs wish the boys well with whatever shit they're having to deal with. While you might not be able to see Chris, you can actually listen to him by checking out his podcast, Carry the Banner, on iTunes. While you're there, go rate and review this podcast and help Punks and Pubs grow. To do that, you need to rate and review and also tell your friends. Turn them on to Punks and Pubs. That's enough of that. Time to talk about you and your band. This week's band are the Ramonas. This band started out as an all-female tribute act to the Ramones, and now they are creating their own sound, and I'm digging it. The track that you're going to hear is called Tearaway and features Chris Harper on harmonica. If you dig their sound and you want to find out more, head over to the social media, and I will have links up there where actually you can find out more about the Ramonas. That's it for episode 15. It's good to be back. If you're going to a punk show and you see someone fall down, you pick them right back up until next time bye